Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. Hey, what's that over there? Is that a fan fiction wave? Whoa, it's coming our way. Oh no, if it comes near me, I'll turn into someone's fan fiction version. Oh. Oh. I'm hard and gruff. Oh, we got belts now. Oh, yes. wow. Look at us in this lighting. And there's a bunch of people running all over the place behind us. Oh, this is definitely the future. Probably. <laughs> you should have changed your background to just have more consoles behind you. Just pile Oh, up. I didn't plan ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's it's right. It's Enterprise. Yeah. What an ambitious episode. Hello. I'm here, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, it's Taboldi Watch. It's episode 315. We're talking about yesterday's Enterprise. While investigating a temporal rift, the Enterprise encounters a ghost, the USS Enterprise C. Dun, dun, dun. Can I say, I thought we had always been on the Enterprise C. Interesting. Mm. It doesn't yeah. really, the letter doesn't matter too much until this episode, really. Right. <laughs> well, now we're in D, and this yeah. version of D is real militaristic and in a space battle, in a war. How do we mm-hmm. get here? Why are we here? What? Well, before we get there, though, I want to talk a little bit about this opening section because we get a cute little thing with Worf and Guinan. Yeah. Uh, where uh, Worf is trying out some different beverages, and Guinan makes this suggestion. But a warrior's I, drink, really, right? Yeah, I have a little bit of another tangential story. For those of you who may not be aware, I was on a reality show called King of the Nerds, and I was on the second Yay. season as a contestant. But then they brought me back for the third season as like a behind-the-scenes host. <gasps> so I got to see sort of how the reality show was getting made, and it was awesome. And for some of the challenges where they would have the celebrity guests that would come and the nerds would be performing, they would allow us to be in like the audience and they would catch us like enjoying these performances. One of them was like a musical rap performance that they had to do. And the guest judge was Moby, the electronic (laughs) artist. I was a huge fan of Moby. I loved his music. He was a dick to these poor contestants. I heard this about Moby. He yeah. was so mean to them and yeah. like only a little bit aired, but it was pretty bad. <laughs> and so we talk about He was this, like I thought this was a roast show, is it not? Right? Right? So these poor nerds had just like performed this rap, which is saying something. And like they tried their best to incorporate little like nods to nerdy culture and stuff. And he like grills them. And one of the questions he asks of one of the the poor guys, he's like, well, what do Klingons drink before going into battle? And all of us kind of like turn into each to each other. And he was like, ah, blood wine. He's like, wrong, fake nerd. It's prune juice. And all of us were like. Well, I guess, but that's just Worf in one episode. <laughs> and like, it was uh, such a confusing thing to, uh, for him to say and like pull out. He probably Googled as this, that. <laughs> right? He's like, well, check out my nerd cred. I know that Klingons like prune juice. Like, come on, Moby. How, yeah, how do you <laughs> respond to Moby in that situation? I think the only question you can ask is just, are you okay? Right? Oh, like, is wow. everything all right in Moby home? Because this is unnecessary. Yeah, I gotta yeah. look this up. But I also, wonder if there's a clip. Yeah. yeah um, 
Also, another tangent related to prune juice. I won't give specifics, but we recently got to interview a professional footballer. Uh, and um, through our translator, I was asking a test question, the test question you always ask, which is, what did you have for breakfast to test someone's uh -huh. mic? <laughs> uh -huh. And he went into this whole long diatribe about the big breakfast he had and how prune juice is crucial for muscle regeneration. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, so it is warrior juice when you think of it that way. And yeah. so Moby is correct to have yeah, but not. Moby's I don't want to give him credit for that. There's no. You shouldn't be gatekeeping Becca's putting about putting up a Moby poster right now. Becca, put that down. Maybe his timeline was skewed and he became a worse person. Who knows? He could have anyway. been having a bad day. <laughs> I like that scene too. Uh, Worf finds out it's prune juice and it's like a warrior's drink. And uh, they have a little bit of discussion about how Worf has trouble dating on the ship because it's all humans for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. And he finds human females too fragile for his aggressive and relationship. Like, nah, nah, nah. Who is Guinan talking about? Who are these women who would think that Worf is uh, a real wimp in the bedroom? Crusher, you know it's Crusher. Crusher you know it's Crusher. <laughs> I don't think anybody uh, would Riker, think he's a wimp, but <laughs> Riker would probably be a good candidate. True, true. He did impress every Klingon when he had his um, uh, a transfer student day. And while only half human, I wouldn't discount Troy. Oh, mm. just saying. Sometimes you gotta watch out for the counselors. That's Sometimes true. Sometimes you gotta watch out for the counselors. <laughs> yeah, facts. Is that a phrase? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, but before we can get too deep into that conversation, a temporal rift opens up okay. right outside the window, and we all kind of gaze at it, and then Worf gets called to the bridge. I know you're moving on, but don't sleep on sleep it on the counselors. Hmm. I'll we'll show myself it. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so glad we stopped the momentum for that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's a temporal wormhole. It's cool. <laughs> Uh, but, but actually, let's even address it right now. Becca, you were bored by this episode. In some I don't ways, know what right? happened. I yeah. zoned mm. out. Maybe it's the contrast was too so, high. Sure. The contrast. The lighting was, it too was. Dark. Why it is was this, cranked. Why is this evil version of the Enterprise? Why do they have to have darker lighting? I want to address that because I think it's a really good production move, right? So mm -hmm. when we go to the bridge, uh, we look at this temporal anomaly, right? We notice that it's changing and then there's a shift that happens and while we're looking at picard there's like a wobbly camera move or something and there's like a blue glow and then suddenly yeah, yeah, yeah. everything is different but it actually not, looks right? way better but it I does don't know. look better it's better lit yeah <laughs> it's what? yeah it's it's lit more cinematically in a lot they of had ways. all this capability to light this well the whole time instead of like classroom fluorescence and mm -hmm. yet they only do it to show a version version of the enterprise that's evil I think what's nice about the the sterile lighting of the of the older of the general enterprise is that it feels like a spaceship. This feels definitely like it could be just a war vessel of any sort, right? Like mm, like a I, submarine or Yeah, yeah, like we kind of get the space age feel on the big, you know, overly white bright sheen that has the enterprise loading. I think what you guys are looking for actually happens in the first motion picture, uh mm. Star Trek Generations. They actually have dimmer lighting in that in that movie and, and that's kind of optimal yeah that's really optimal lighting for what it should look like it's kind of a mix between this and the general look yeah when you um, put shadows on one side of an actor's face they look more attractive because they have contour they're not washed out and one-dimensional yeah. they actually you see it, it feels more real it feels 
yeah, better. But despite all that, this episode was super boring. I don't care about <laughs> any of these alternate reality oh, people. Man. Maybe it's because Lieutenant Yar is here. So I'm oh. so surprised when I saw that Yar, when I saw Yar's entrance, I was like, Becca is going to be excited. But apparently yeah. I'm the opposite of that, right? Yeah, well, I think you're completely forgetting and or rewriting history. If you were to go into a holodeck and put your memory of what I think of Lieutenant Yar into a holodeck reenactment, uh -huh. you would have a completely different version. But if you were to go back and listen to an episode where I just uh -huh. rail on her acting for like <laughs> half the episode, yeah. maybe you'd remember, I'm not a huge fan of Lieutenant Yar. <laughs> yeah, this was a skewed perspective I have, right? Very yeah. good point, Becca, <laughs> very good point. And also, I well, th here's what I do remember. I remember you being really offended that her death was so lame. And I think I remember you like you wanting that redemption for her, which is what this episode turns out to be, right? So it like- It tries to be tries to be <laughs> okay we'll, i was we'll, awake we'll for that, that moment yeah. yeah yeah so like uh i thought you'd be excited about it, but you're right now that you make this excellent point to me i do remember you railing on denise crosby and a lot of the choices that the character had to make because that was also season one right where they're making a lot of uh, yeah. bold moves for a lot of character choices mm -hmm. right yeah. and i'll just call it out now on behalf of xander we have decided in our fan memory that lieutenant yara is queer and yes. the fact that she has this straight relationship, uh, it just doesn't make sense. It's just a notch in her belt. Like, it's just an <laughs> experiment, whatever, whatever. Everyone has a face. <laughs> now, he brings he brings some heat. He knows how to uh, do a bring the chemistry to a scene. Whatever that guy, commander, uh, lieutenant, whatever. Richard? I didn't write it Richard. down. Richard. <laughs> Most people call him, was it Castillo? Is that his name? Castillo. Castillo. <laughs> well, Sorry. well, Castillo, because you're reading it, but you didn't listen. Uh, Castillo, <laughs> We're like a type of soap, because you feel so squeaky clean mm. after watching his scenes. I don't know. <laughs> That's well, Christopher McDonald, who some of you may rep remember as Shooter McGavin from Happy yes. Gilmore. Uh, yes! Much more charming in this. Uh, oh, yeah. Really. My. I was kind of shocked at how suave he was too. He's got those broad shoulders. That those uniforms, those old uniforms, make people look very tough and stern. I really like those. But he also he he benefited from the lighting as well because he's got great contours on his face too. Amen. So yeah, good friend. You had mentioned that these uniforms are like from the movies and from the like the last time that the the audience had seen the original Enterprise crew, they were in these types of uniforms. Mm -hmm. So it was this mm -hmm. bridging of these generations. I've never Bridging. been a fan. Bridging generations. Man, you just doubled up on those. Boom, That's great. Boom, boom. Yeah. But I don't like them. I think they're ugly. <laughs> oh. Now, are you including ugly in the tinfoil sashes that um, members yeah, of this... a wartime vessel need to wear? The extra belts for reflection. Yeah. <laughs> mm, for self-reflection. I like that. Mm -hmm. So during the shift in, in Act 1, what happens is is everything's the same, but everything's different because the crew is all there. In fact, there's actually more people now, but Worf mm -hmm. is noticeably absent, and in his place is standing Tasha Yar. <gasps> but she's dead, dun, Jake! Dun, dun. Right. Also, Worf was there when Tasha was there. So what? Well, because the Klingons are bad. But the Klingons are at war. I think in this timeline, 20 years ago, the Klingon War started, so there wouldn't have been a young Worf to have joined the Federation. Yep. 20 years ago. Remember, the timeline was skewed before. So what happens is, is by this the This is what I didn't understand until the final scene of this episode. That's fair. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And why I wrote the whole thing off. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, so when the te- when when the Enterprise C comes through the temporal rift and we see that it's this other version, that instantly changes our timeline because mm-hmm. they left their timeline, which was ours. And by doing that, they changed our current place. So now we are their alternate future, right? To be to future. just that as makes a, so much a, more sense. A place of note too, where they left from in history turns out to be a pivotal battle. And so that becomes the, the whole conundrum because they, they essentially saved them. They were like sucked out of certain doom in their own timeline into this future. The Enterprise-C sacrificed itself to save the Klingons from a Romulan attack, which gave the Klingons like uh, faith in the, the Federation at the time, which helped unify them. That doesn't happen now because they left. Therefore, a war occurs between them, which is what the war that's been happening for 20 years. Whoa. This is a really interesting episode on paper, and I had no idea what was happening. (laughs) It was executed poorly because I feel like they were just trying to give these fan service-y moments. I had mentioned this earlier, but this really feels like them trying to be like, okay, you think that Star Trek is just the conference room in space? Well, here's what you wanted, right? These gruesome deaths, this battle-hardened crew, these like these adventures that are really like these plots and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Um, the the harsher lighting. It's it's almost like they're saying, okay, this is what the Star Trek that you think you want, but uh, but it's not great. <laughs> Oh, so you're you're saying that the writers kind of paid service to what they've been asking for, but in a way that was like, see, this is not a good timeline. We're going back to our own. I don't think that they felt necessarily that it was like, see, this is bad. That's how I feel. But they're they're basically showing um, the that version. if they were to pick an alternate universe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what some of the notable changes that they make is obviously, yes, we talked about the lighting gets really dim. There's a bunch more consoles out. The uniforms are changed to have some type of tinfoil belts. I'm not exactly yeah. sure what those are. Thankfully, we don't get a good look at them because I don't think they'd hold up. The uniforms mm-hmm. have different cuffs. There's like slightly different collars. Um, but notably, like there's also some ambiance things that I really was appreciative of. Uh, first off, the noises are a little bit different. They turned mm-hmm. up the oh. ambient sound. And I don't know if you noticed, but the door openings were all classic. Trek mixed with new yes. Trek. There's like yeah. a, what? What was like the the old '60s version of it, which was also really there was another '60s sound effect for the all hands that was mm-hmm. like modified. Woo! Yeah, right, yeah, to be more futuristic. It was cool. And they've done something like that in TNG before, but this one definitely sounded like the TOS version. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few other modifications, but you just see them very subtly throughout. I think the one I noticed the most was just how many people were everywhere. I yeah. don't know if you noticed, but there's like double the amount of extras in every scene. And people are always crossing the camera to show that everybody's busy. Because it's right. a very, it's a military, very busy ship, right? Well, wartime, you need a lot of red shirts, cannon fodder people. There you go. You're talking like a Trekkie. I think it's a really well executed <laughs> way of showing the alternate reality instead of just giving everybody a uniform and like an eye patch or like a goatee or something, right? Like that's I don't know. <laughs> maybe I would have liked this episode of Picard had an eye patch. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> he just has a really bad toupee on. <laughs> uh, and Riker still has the clean shave. Like, I don't know. Like, I love that they made it um, an environmental thing as opposed to just aesthetics, right? Yeah. For sure. That's a nice attention to detail. The characters felt different. I thought Riker in particular was always upset and questioning. He's always like, with all due respect, sir, very often. And also Picard in general is a little bit more stern in this world. If you take away the horny on main and you take away the Earl Grey hot, 
mm-hmm. what is left of those characters? Just sad, empty shells of what they could have been. Right? It's like, I love France and my dad left me. That's it. <laughs> and we both hate kids now. And we both hate kids. No kids on the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, get them off the Enterprise. No kids? <laughs> yeah. I have never even seen a child. <laughs> we haven't dived in, except for the opening scene, to Guinan. This is really a Guinan episode, and I yeah. love Guinan, so I hate that I was so confused for much of the episode. But Well, Guinan- so is she. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is really cool that Guinan can see through time. Despite there being two timelines, Guinan knows this one is not right. And she doesn't have specific memories of our version of the Enterprise, but she knows that there has been some sort of timeline rift, which is just another clue and mystery into why Guinan has some sort of otherworldly powers we haven't yet dug into. And I can't wait. I love Guinan. Yeah, they've yeah. they've dropped such great hints about it. Obviously, with her interactions with Q, so like we know right. she's <laughs> she knows a lot, and so this is another example of that. But she is still a part of this alternate timeline, so she doesn't know why she knows something's wrong, which is a great yeah. little addition. To right, her. she has a history with each character on this warship or each right. person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's this is an interesting facet of this formula of storytelling too, right? There's always this illusion, like everyone's caught except for the one person who's the key, who can see through the illusion. You know what I mean? In this case, it's Guinan. Yeah, and the one person that believes them, which is Picard, mm-hmm. who's like, huh, okay, I like your hunch, and I guess uh, we're going to just do this thing then. Send this ship back. Yeah, it kind of plays out that way, but it takes a long time to get there. And they also have to mm. be convinced by a number of other factors, including the other crew, right? So we meet. So we go. The Enterprise C comes through. Uh, they're badly mm. damaged. In fact, there are survivors, but a lot of the crew has been killed. And we beam them over to sick bay we find the captain is still alive, as is uh, the helmsman. Lady captain, by the way. Love that. Cool. She's great. The helmsman. But then we only meet those two characters, right? Those are the two main characters we meet from the other ship. Yes. There are a number of other crew. I think there's about 100 of them. Big ship. Yeah. Well, it's the Enterprise. It's the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Becca, to refresh you, too, the the original series in the 60s was just the Enterprise. Then the movies had Enterprise A, which is like a refit. Enterprise B, we have never really seen. Enterprise C, this is the first time in Star Trek history we ever see it. This is the, They designed it for the show. And then Enterprise D is... Uh, Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, right. With Captain Garrett helming yes. the Enterprise C. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, friends. Jake here from the current timeline. The recording of this episode was from a timeline where we never saw the Enterprise B, but in your timeline, it was shown in the 1994 film Star Trek Generations, the first of the next gen films. Sorry from the confusion from alternate universe Jake. I'm not sure what he was talking about. Anyway, back to the show. Yeah, the, none of this had been established at this point in Star Trek canon, so the writers kind of made this up. There actually wasn't any designs for the Enterprise-C, um, so they actually used, I believe, what was a discarded sketch of the Enterprise-D. And they're like, oh, oh this because it kind of actually meshes what like an old Excelsior sure. class looks like and what the Galaxy one does look like. So it's like a good that makes bridge. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they come through, we find that they're injured, and we eventually tell them, hey, you know what? We're from the future. <laughs> we hide yeah. it for like an act or so. But. Don't take this the wrong way, but <laughs> we're also the Enterprise. Yeah. Hey, you got to tell time tra- travelers the date eventually. You can't put that off forever. It's just cruel. Yeah. What's really interesting is like the audience knows so much more than the characters in this 
uh, in but, both uh, camps. I'll right, say right. not in my case. <laughs> right. Go on. So most of the audience. Well, <laughs> actually, as a quick digression, Becca, I will say some episodes I definitely pay attention more to than others. Like some of mm-hmm. them I definitely like float in and out. So I get doing that. But this mm-hmm. one I was very connected to and like was really into like all the intricacies of it. Like, but I wasn't in the last episode, for instance. So I totally well, get that. That happened. Tradesies. <laughs> for sure. Uh, Picard should never have a belt, though. He looks so great with just the one piece. <laughs> That's and true. he's wearing a silver belt. Sorry, um, unrelated. No, yeah, Go those on. silver belts are like a choice. I don't the, of all the choices they made for alternate future. I think those are the most like. Did you guys spend like eighty dollars at the dollar store for this part? Yeah. Like, what's right. going everyone on? gets a statement piece. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to the uniforms, you said you don't like the the maroon kind of naval outfits. I think I'm an outlier in that. I'm one of the few people that does, and I mm. I like it because they. They are kind of uncomfortable and very military looking, which is like I feel like how that version of Starfleet was was very like naval sure. battles, like master and commander, kind of old eighteen hundreds kind of style things. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. I thought about that. Like I had the the thought process of while watching it, I'm like, you know, I really am a fan of the bright colors, just because mm-hmm. a they're good to look at, mm-hmm. but b the ease of being able to look at someone and be like and tell what department they're in. Yeah, that seems like a utility far over than like a cord on their yes their this is visually much more appealing for sure because everybody's maroon in that and you can only tell what their rank is by their insignia which those make yeah. no sense they're just weird no. shapes like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> the captain one looks like a candy wrapper or something like <laughs> yeah <that. laughs> um, or like a dna helix yeah i don't well, know it does i haven't seen discovery but i've seen the trailer for the new season and i feel like the discovery uniforms are like a blend of both of them because they're colored well, but they also have like strong shoulders and like kind of insignias here on the side right just a little bit of like spoilery territory this season hasn't come out yet of discovery but we are in like the future uh so we haven't seen what these uniforms oh why they are that way okay yeah the original discovery uniforms were actually a callback to uh star trek enterprise which is supposed to take place before original series so they were sort of blue jumpsuits Mm -hmm. uh that they sort of judged up and looked really cool i thought but it was hard again it was this lacking that color variation visually but also it's hard to tell what department people are in (laughs) interesting well back to the next generation and Mm. we are starting to figure out well actually we've kind of explained what's happened now to the crew and they know they know at least that they're from the past and we got to get them back we got to get their ship up in shape and we learned that oh they were in the middle of a fight a fight with Romulans well that doesn't really check out what happened there and it turns out that it they were answering a distress call from the Klingons right and Mm -hmm. we start to piece together oh this is a pivotal moment potentially in history in our history right so help me on facts because I totally zoned out for most of the episode uh in in uh, Enterprise D V2 <laughs> yeah their yeah. history mm-hmm. does not show any record of this battle is that because no. Enterprise C teleported out of there the battle took place but the so here's the thing is it was like a Klingon outpost and the Romulans showed up and started attacking it and the Enterprise C just happened to be nearby and came in to defend the Klingon outpost against the Romulans the Klingons are like hey thanks for helping us that was honorable 
if even if they died, the Federation may not be as like honorless as we thought, and they become God. part of well, the Federation. That's, that's our version. That's A, our or version. version one. But in version two, there's no record of them being there because they popped. They out disappeared of time. before they came in to intervene. So the battle still happened, but the the Romulans presumably beat the Klingons then, and the Klingons are like, ah, oh, see, the Federation are spineless, and they didn't help us, so we're all at war or whatever. Yeah. Like we don't know exactly yeah. the details of it and they don't go into it but they say because that event didn't happen that's presumably uh a, one of the stopping events of this war right one yeah. right and honestly becca i don't fault you for not understanding it because it gets it gets pretty expositiony of them talking about history and then the context of the alternate history so yes it is a little hard to understand for sure uh-huh, uh-huh. um and easy to zone out on them a little bit what's yeah. interesting to me i guess is just like the interaction of these crews a little bit obviously with castillo and yar and we get yar back and what i actually really like is because guidance in the dark in a lot of these ways we we don't know why yar is there at first oh and we figure uh, it out slowly jake i was gonna mention this to you but um just like looking at you right now it looks like you died a meaningless death so <laughs> Just do with that what you like. It was you died, but it was totally meaningless. Yeah, sorry, I keep looking at you weird. I was thinking it too. Yeah, <laughs> oh but do you God. appreciate that Xander said that to you? <laughs> no, yeah. I'm haunted by it. Oh. Okay, good, good. Well, uh, other I just people tripped don't down my front stairs and broke my neck. <laughs> oh, oh God! <laughs> yeah, that is what Guinan says to Yar. Yeah. You should mm-hmm. be dead. And it should not have any honor. Sorry. But here's the thing. She's right. And like, mm-hmm. like I like the way they go about it because Yara is just like, tell me. Just tell me what you're saying. And Guinan does it in the most like forward way. Like, yeah. here's the feeling. I it's, don't know. It's another symptom of like we got 45 minutes for a character to make a self-sacrifice choice. So we got to get there. And, but I yeah. I think if anybody's going to deliver it, like Guinan is the person to deliver it to a character like Yara. So that was great. Yeah. Whoopi is shown throughout this whole episode. She yeah. was... She was great. Yeah. She always is. Every scene, mm-hmm. every scene, she's a masterpiece, master class, masterpiece class. Well, how do you feel about Yar? Because I like, I, so this episode, I feel like she's given a tough role again, much, <laughs> much like in the season one, right? Where she has to still play the stern character, but then suddenly develop a connection with a stranger and then make a self-sacrifice. Like that's a huge arc to do in one episode. Yeah. No, nah, she played it fine. Yeah, it felt <laughs> very fine. like fan servicey of like what what Yar maybe could have been or like a version of Yar that they wanted. I don't know. It felt like writer servicey and like Denise servicey. Yeah. Like uh, honestly, yeah. she want uh, so backstory is that she had actually did kind she of, write this episode? She did not, but she <laughs> met she met up with some of the people at conventions because she was still doing them at the time, sure. and she did say she was like missing the show. And I think the writers had already have a few stories that had alternate history stuff happening, and the Yar idea got mixed into that, and she was welcomed back to like give her a better death, which I think they all felt bad about how that one ended, right? Yeah, well, they mentioned it, so yeah. I guess. Yes, well, I mean, they do. They, it's really yeah. obvious, too. They're like, yeah, you had a pointless death. And then later on, it's like they're literally saying, why don't you go with them to not have a pointless death? <laughs> yeah. To be erased in history and never exist in the first place. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Well, Good. if they do all believe Guinan is correct in these assumptions, then her going back in time would make sense. Uh, if she's not going to exist anyway, then she might be part of rewriting that history. Mm-hmm. But, but here's where it really gets messed chance. up, Becca. 
where did she exist in the first place, right? The Picard that we see is a mirror version of Picard or an alternate version of Picard. Is this Tasha Worf? <laughs> That's not, no, that's not how is, alternate timelines so, oh, work. Is it not? Okay, so we're assuming that this isn't a localized event, right? So Worf is now no longer on the Enterprise and is with the Klingon Empire, right? That's what I was wondering. I was like, is one of these ships going to have Worf on it? Which would be a right? great call. Remind so then me if of that's the case. His parents died because of Romulans in front of him. Yes, right? they he were human adopted. parents. Yeah, I mean, who knows what would have happened with him? He might have been. Yeah, yeah, he might not have been. But I'm, th- this is just getting into time shenanigans, which never makes sense anyway. Nope. But the the thing is, like, matter is cr- neither created nor destroyed. Where did this extra yar come from? You know what I mean? Uh, she was turned into star stuff, and then she was recomposited ah. from the star stuff. There it is, replicating technology. Well, that's yeah. the thing is she can fit in the timeline because she enters the timeline and then dies, right? Like, so it doesn't. But she change. was never born. She was born. She just died when? and then appeared again. What do you mean? I don't understand is, your question. So you're, so you're saying that this Yar that sacrificed herself is the same Tasha Yar that was in our timeline just brought back to life. Not brought back yeah. to life. When in, in the alternate timeline, she never died by the slime monster. But there is no alternate timeline anymore, so she never was born. Oh, she I get what you're exist. saying. We eliminated, yeah. The, the, we eliminated the hole in this her. one is anytime you go through the temporal rift, you're you're immune to the effects of the previous timeline, I guess. Like you are yeah. a, a, away from it. I would say that in the timeline that we go back to, she still died the meaningless death. She did. And and she died a second death. She reappeared again. Okay. I don't. Do we go into it? Did Picard and the others, they're not aware of what happened, They don't know. Right? They don't know. So they don't know that Atasha Yar existed. They are go, yeah, they're going by. And died. Well, they know there is an alternate timeline because they figure that out. They're like, maybe something isn't isn't the way it's supposed to be and you're supposed to go back and fight them. Yes, but the, I'm saying at the end of the episode, right? The, oh, the yes, problem, the Enterprise crew has no idea. That's so another Tasha really cool Yar's thing. death has even less meaning now than it did before because not only did it did she die she not she ceased to exist and was never born in the she first place she just has a bonus death i don't get it's why it's a bonus you think death she, she, her birth was the same in both timelines mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she lived for 20 some odd years i don't know how long until you're 4 years out of academy right no but i'm just saying if you wanted to give her a more honorable death i think there would be a better way to do it than this it was just handled in a weird way i think it's good on paper again yeah 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 i don't i don't know if it makes sense for her to sacrifice herself in the off chance she could continue to live somewhere in this alternate timeline but my favorite line of the episode is when uh the guy from happy gilmore (laughs) 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 thinks he's saying goodbye to her before she goes back on the ship with them and says if you ever see a creepy old man staring at you across the room at some federation (laughs) event it's me baby (laughs) your quotes are just accurate enough to sound right but you always had a few extra adjectives in there Uh, if you ever see a creepy old man with his eyes lingering a little too long bone him (laughs) okay that uh, is the line that was a yeah actually if i meet you um that (laughs) this is over like i'm really falling for you now but like if we're 20 years nah nah no richard no sorry richard Richard. (laughs) they actually kiss in that scene right on Mm -hmm. uh on his way the transporter it's one of those where they lean so far you only see the back of the head i want a real like a silhouette where you see the lips touch you know that's that's a good on-screen kiss for me (laughs) 
And then, like, you see a little bit of spit as they come apart. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, authentic. <laughs> like spaghetti in uh, Lady and the Tramp, but spit. <laughs> Too much. Too much spit. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, you don't like your spit the diameter of spaghetti, <laughs> the consistency. That is too much saliva. You need to see a doctor. You are dehydrated or too hydrated. Too One hydrated. of the two. Oh my. <laughs> that was Zoidberg's whole problem. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. Castillo goes back with the crew. He is a captain now. Oh, we kind of forgot, by the way, that the captain, Garrett, dies. We Very see some gruesome yeah. deaths. Yeah. How did she die? I looked like up a, and she was dead. Well, a console explodes and she gets like a shrapnel mm-hmm. thing in her head. Mm-hmm. That's messed up. Yeah, exploding yeah. consoles are a real problem on Federation ships. Yeah, um, continuously. You would think yeah. with the D version that they would have dealt with this. Nope. Not in nope. C either, but uh, nope. yeah. So was it during a Klingon attack? Because they had showed yeah. up. Yeah, okay. So we're because always under the, the threat of Klingons in this. Right. We had this whole spiel of like, okay, we can't make them go back to their timeline because if we do, then they're going to die right away. So they were basically <laughs> sending them back to their death. And they're like, oh, but we're okay with it if it's for history, I guess, because your, your friend had a hunch. Um, and so well, they decided the to go. Trolley dilemma, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They they go through with it, but uh, right before they can get into the fan fiction wave, the Klingons show up and start shooting. Yeah, everyone. And, and we learn the price of the fan fiction wave, which is death. And uh, <laughs> Garrett gets like a piece of shrapnel lodged in her forehead. I was like yeah. shocked when they revealed that, and they pan down, and she's just right. Like, I don't think we have seen like graphic violence like that. Most of the time it's phaser fire or like an explosion or something and someone's just kind of burned. Not since the bug invasion of uh, Starfleet headquarters. Remember in season one, what was the Merrick? Is that what his name was? Oh, yeah. They had that that v- really gross sci-fi yeah, like, like melting face oh, explosion yeah. when they yeah. phaser them in the head. Um, That's right, right. I think that was the most gruesome thing we've seen up until this point. And yeah, uh, yeah. so... Castillo has to take over. So the chances, I guess, are less. I don't know what exactly it means so much as we're putting him in a little bit more of a leadership role, giving him some It's growth. just a cuter scene when yeah. um, Yar goes back to be on the bridge and mm-hmm. everybody sees. Mm-hmm. That it's important now. Yeah. It's the captain's deal, not yeah. just the. Nobody cares about the, <laughs> the first mate, drama. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, Yar, well, after he goes back, she goes to Picard and says, like, let's see. So this is the issue we all have with this episode is like based on Guinan's hunches, mm-hmm. people are making huge decisions and self-sacrifices. To be fair, largely, we? right? Yeah. But what would you say, Becca? We would. We would do the same. <laughs> we would listen to Whoopi Goldberg. I would self-sacrifice. Yeah. But like the, uh, the there's also the added knowledge they have of the war and th- the event that the that the Enterprise C left from the Temple Rift. So they know there is something very important on what happens on the other side and that they probably need to get back. So based on all these assumptions, we decide, or Yar decides that she wants to go back with them and give them a fighting chance, even though they are going back to their near certain doom, right? Mm-hmm. So not only is she not necessary because we know that they're going to blow up as soon as she goes over there. She sacrifices and never exists. Look, no, no, she exists. Okay, she's in in normal time. I'm not I'm not holding on to that. It's fine. 
<laughs> I guess I do want to like I don't get why you think her He's going to do a less... whole extra podcast without us. <laughs> why is I it get, less I get what they're going for. I know it was supposed to be this big heroic thing, but it feels flimsy exactly like you said because they tried to rush this character development and growth right. into such a short yeah. B plot of a time. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, where whereas even the the unjustified death, at least she was like a fully fleshed out character that you kind of cared about. This one, we don't know who she is even in the real universe because she doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we all know that the truth is that Denise Crosby asked to be written off. They wrote her off in a way she didn't like. She saw them at conventions, realized what a silly move that was to be written off this incredible show. And they threw her a bone. <laughs> That's a very pessimistic work. way of saying it. But yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry you missed the space boat. <laughs> I think also the writers liked the character and wanted to give her a better yeah. send off as well. I think they also had a care for their stories and the world that they had built too. And this new alternate they world they built. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so we get a very intense uh choice as they decide to head back and then we are ambushed by three birds of prey which is bananas and so we start another big space fight which is predict with like star trek slow it's a lot of like space sedans cruising around each other right yeah <laughs> firing their guns <laughs> like oh beep 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 beep, <coughs> beep, beep which is again like <laughs> kind of reminiscent of old star trek of like that's kind of how it was it was very master and commander where they're just slowly two ships are firing their cannons at each other it's it's they're it's battle battles. ships not speed boats right right it's not a bunch of dog I feel fighting like that's a direct nod to like oh you want original trek well here you go Mm -hmm. this is what it was yeah yeah i i agree i think that's exactly what it was and so uh we get some we get some heavy losses and actually the enterprise is not looking good so the enterprise c heads for the rift as quick as it can while the d fights them off and uh casualties casualties start happening in fact will Riker in this alternate timeline dies from shrapnel as well and we get a gruesome shot of him too i was checked out at this point (laughs) i don't know if you noticed becca but yeah we get a shot it happens very quick and they because it's the end of the episode they're trying to move it along quickly so we we don't spend too much time on it but yeah Riker gets one in the neck and we we get a pretty gruesome crusher uh, could fix that Crusher, probably Crusher could. could fix that. <laughs> She's brought people, back but she, the but dead. she probably was crushed under a bulkhead or something that we just. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I will say the uh, there was more gruesome death scenes. Apparently, time of uh, this is from Memory Alpha. Time and budgetary constraints put a much more put an end to a much more gruesome climactic battle sequence that was originally envisioned in the script. The only death to survive in the broadcast episode is Riker's. Others that were written but unfilmed, including included the decapitation of Wesley Crusher and the electrocution <gasps> of Data. What? Oh my god! I know, right? A decapitation—that'd be decapitation. intense. Oh he's my god! Child. And he's—he's a child. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they were trying to show 18. there are costs uh, of war. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think that's exactly what they did. And I think that's also why they killed off Barrett is because they're trying to show the intensity of this uh, new reality, and they haven't really done it beyond the aesthetic choices, right? Or I mean, beyond right. the atmosphere, right? They haven't shown us the war, but now they get to show us the war by killing somebody, which is a good way to do it, story-wise, at least. It always feels difficult that, um, you know, it's not like you're on a pirate ship where there's people standing up above and you can shoot one with a musket or like (laughs) hop aboard and stab somebody. It's like either the entire ship blows up and everyone's dead or no no one is, you know, because they've got shields. So they have to find creative ways of, you know, a couple episodes ago, enemies 
finding a way to teleport, not transport aboard right. and shoot people. Like, how do you have an individual victim in a space battle? Because you really can't. It's kind of an all or nothing. Well, in it's interesting that you bring that up, too, because we get this little aside from alternate Picard, like confessing to the the is it the captain or the or whoever, uh, like we're losing the war. Yeah. The Federation is not winning the war against the Klingons and the Romulans. And he's like, like another month or so and we're donezo. Mm-hmm. So you got to do this or we're all dead, which I think is a good writing choice to make because otherwise yeah. it's it feels precarious to make this huge sacrifice but i love that picard reveals that too i think he does reveal it to the captain i think you're right and says Why, yeah oh, are they two separate wars or is it one war yes. against klingons and romulans together it's two well the there was a war between the klingons and the federation and the romulans at along like the 20 years ago and then the sacrifice happened and the klingons joined the federation in our timeline right but that never happened so it's a three it's still going three pronged everybody's yeah. killing anybody that's not them i Got it. think this might be a trek check but from what i recall the federation or yeah the federation and the alliance were, and the klingon empire were already kind of in an alliance right but I think yeah. this event prevented them from going to war. Actually, yeah, I think you're because they don't really go into that time period. No. This is the Kittimer Accord. Yeah, stuff, and I, I don't think. think we need to. But yes, yeah. you're right. So yes, Becca, the the Romulans always kind of at war, right? But yeah. now we're really also in a fight with the Klingons. Is but the clarification that I needed was that Klingons and Romulans are never going to work together. Right. Think so. Even as in far this as we know. timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Cool. And they don't. And. Uh, we see the Enterprise D probably lose that battle, but before we see it complete, the Enterprise C <gasps> escapes through. Riker died. You just watched yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gruesome. It's, it's like yeah. Garrett head headgear. Think if you yeah. really paid attention, you would have liked this episode. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. No, I, I don't think so necessarily. Mm. Maybe I just stopped watching when I saw Yar. Again, like if you, oh no, that was early. You stopped yeah. watching super early. Uh, it resolves with a great way, which is we just go back to reality and we don't know what happened. Yeah. And I kind of like that. I like that we didn't have a debrief. I kind of like that that's the way temporal anomalies work because we'll never know when they occur if they get repaired. And yeah. But I do like establishing that Guinan has many juice dates with everybody on yes. board. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. And while I didn't really care for the whole Tasha Yar sacrifice thing, I do. The tell me about Tasha Yar got me. Me too. Oh, that yeah. Was, it was it's such. True. It was so well delivered. It got me too. <sighs> I actually didn't expect it because I wasn't super emotionally invested in Yar in this. I was like, OK, right? I'm happy she got that. And, and then she died. I was like, OK, great. And then. At that last line, I was like, oh, yes. oh, see what a great actress would do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm emotionally invested in Guinan being emotionally invested in history. Right. I like the concept of Tasha Yar. <laughs> no, not even. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just the history of the ship. Yeah. Well, that was a lot of history that we just went through. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I really did enjoy this episode, but not for the reason I like. I didn't like the alternate world. I didn't want to live in that Star Trek. I was never sure. that person that wanted what is essentially. And this is a very this is a gross simplification of like Star Wars in Star Trek, right? That's mm-hmm. not what Star Wars is, but it is a constant state of war and battle, right? Right. And Star Trek is so much uh, more than that in a lot of ways, and so. As much as I liked those things, I loved that they were separate. But this was such a dark, grim version. I'm glad we got to visit it. Like, it would right. definitely wants to be an episode that we want to a see. A nice place to visit, there. but I wouldn't want to live there. Exactly. Precisely. 
next week we have the offspring oh it's the offspring yeah oh, i remember I know this it's one kinda hard just to get along today no yep kind of no <laughs> the synopsis alone i think will excite you becca um, yeah data successfully yes. creates a new android which he views as his child <sighs> dun, dun, dun. in dun. uh can gynan be the mommy who knows? We'll have we'll to see. find out. <laughs> okay. I'll accept Troy or Crusher. Uh, engage. <laughs> engage. 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 Yeah, absolutely.